The second Sunday of December is National Children's Broadcasting Day. This year, DZFE commemorates the event with the series Strings in the Air, an exploration of the history and repertoire of the string orchestra, produced in partnership with the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. I'm Teddy. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Jamie. And thanks for joining us in the first installment of Strings in the Air. We began our journey in the Baroque period, when classical music as we know it first came into being. One of the developments of this time was the rise of the orchestra, whose backbone was a string ensemble. The music of the time was ornate, featuring long, heavily decorated passages. Another distinguishing mark of Baroque music is counterpoint, where two or more melodies are played together, producing harmonic unity. For many, the greatest master of counterpoint is a German composer, Johann Sebastian Bach, who is also often deemed the greatest composer of the Baroque period. Here is one of his most famous works, the Jesu Bleibet Meine Freude, also known as Jesu Joy of Mine's Desiring. And it is going to be performed by our own ensemble, the PSYO, Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, conducted by Maestro Herrick Ortiz. Enjoy!
that was one of Johann Sebastian Bach's most iconic pieces, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring, also known as Jesu Bleibet Meiner Freude, which appears in the sixth and final movement of Bach's cantata, Hertz und Mund und Tat und Leben, which means the heart and mouth and deed and life. It commemorates Mary's visit to Elizabeth as written in the Gospel of Luke. Over the years, transcriptions and arrangements of this piece were made for many instruments across different genres. Today, it is a piece played for weddings and funerals. A popular genre of Baroque music was the dance suite. These suites are composed of modified dances, such as the Alamand, the Courant, the Saraband, and the Jig. Modified in what way? They were meant for listening instead of dancing. They have been modified so much from their original rhythmic forms that some are outright impossible to dance to. Despite the popularity of the dance suites, Bach wrote only a few examples. However, one of these gave us the famous transcription, The Air on the G-String. The Air was originally the second movement of Bach's orchestral suite number no. 3, transcribed in 1871 by August Wilhelm. Since an orchestra is composed of many instruments, composers can experiment with different textures. One way they can do that is by writing in concertante style. The term concertante in the context of Baroque music refers to a specific style in which individual instruments or groups of instruments within an ensemble are featured, which allows them to shine as soloists within the overall texture of the composition. Back again, wrote some of the greatest examples of concertante music. He created the Brandenburg Concertos in the 1720s. Back dedicated this collection to Christian Ludwig, who took interest in the composer's music. Christian Ludwig was a nobleman who was the margrave of Brandenburg, which you might know for its famous landmark, the Brandenburg Gate. Each concerto has its own distinct personality, while also maintaining a common theme among the works. For example, the fifth concerto includes a very virtuosic harpsichord passage that is very similar to rock music today. The outer movements of his third Brandenburg concerto in particular make use of another baroque form, the retornello, which means return in Italian, wherein a melody is passed around the different instruments and interlaced with different passages, returning every so often. So let's now hear the final movement of the third Brandenburg concerto in G major. Please welcome the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra.
That was the third movement of Bach's Brandenburg Concerto No. 3 and G Major, performed by us, the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, conducted by Maestro Herrick Ortiz. We're Teddy, Kaylee, and Jamie. And thanks for joining us on Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special here on the Master's Touch, 98.7 DCFE. This program is produced in partnership with the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, a training string orchestra that aims to promote classical music appreciation among the youth, raise awareness about orchestral music, and model values like discipline, hard work, and teamwork. Speaking of teamwork, group playing is an important aspect of Baroque music. Orchestras at the time weren't very big and didn't even have conductors. Instead, that somebody called a concert master, who was usually a violinist, who would lead the orchestra. Because these ensembles are smaller, they're somehow easier to communicate in, and somehow also more fun. I don't exactly remember the first time I played inside a string ensemble, but I know it was inside the Suzuki camp. Kaylee, you also yeah, started, too. right? Yeah, like, I think like a few, like six years ago or something, like in the Suzuki camp, there'd be opportunity where you would play with an orchestra and play with other people and like you'd be able to practice it like it's more people than like a normal orchestra and like how psyo is so you get to ensemble play with like so much other books and levels and it's that's also the first time i was uh 
that was also the first time I was introduced to like playing with other people in ensemble playing. I found that uh, playing inside ensembles has helped me sight read. I remember before I was struggling to keep track of where the music was, but I, now I feel that I am better at sight reading. For me, the first time I played in an ensemble was during music camp, and I was like eight. And I remember being so scared because I didn't know most of the people there. But then I I became comfortable after a few days of spending time with them. And it was easier to communicate with them during rehearsals. They like both ensemble and solo have their own pros and cons. Like some people might prefer ensemble, some might, people might prefer solo. Like a reason I would I would prefer ensemble playing is also because you can kind of like make mistakes <laughs> as compared to like solo because ensemble you're playing with a group of people, right? So if you make a mistake and other people don't make a mistake, it's not that obvious. They can cover up. <laughs> yeah. And then for like solo, if you make a mistake, everyone will hear it because you're the only one playing and like the orchestra is not playing the same thing as you. They're just playing back like the accompaniment. So it's, it's more scary. <laughs> A thing about solo though, while you are put on the spot and can make mistakes easily, you also have the freedom to express yourselves more and <laughs> change the tempo because the orchestras follow you. So you get to dictate how you want the music to play, which is for me fun to do. But an ensemble playing, instead of changing the tempo, it's more of changing the dynamics to express, which is also gives a nice effect especially of the string sections. Another pro for solo playing is you mostly have the melody because you're the you're the soloist, you're playing, you're like the main focus. Unlike when like you're in orchestra, sometimes uh, certain sections have the melody while you're like the accompaniment. Like for example, violin one usually has the melody and That's violin true. two is the accompaniment. <laughs> and then like two sets. <laughs> <laughs> like Tucson makes a joke that Viola never gets solo. So oh. like whenever Viola gets solo, it's like yeah, <laughs> everyone's like <laughs> celebrating because they're very underappreciated. I would say. One thing I like about ensemble playing though is it feels like you can have more conversations with it, especially with the baroque music which we are talking about in today's episode, because of their counterpoint, the polyphony. It feels like everyone has their own thing they can say and they can converse with uh, each other more freely than a classical concerto or romantic concerto. I think one example of that would be Vivaldi's concerto for two cellos. It's like this cello is saying something and then the other cello like tells you something back. Speaking of Baroque composers, what is your favorite Baroque composer? Personally, mine is Bach. Oh, for me, I like Vivaldi. Yeah, I also like Vivaldi a lot. One thing I like about Vivaldi's playing is that it feels like it has a more virtuosity than other composers like Handel, Corelli, and Bach. It feels like it has more flair and, and it's fun to listen to. Also for me, Handel feels... By the way, what do you think about Handel? I mean, personally, I don't like Handel as much as Vivaldi because I've played Handel before. Honestly, I didn't really <laughs> like it, but it wasn't, I don't know, Vivaldi gives you a different feeling as compared to Handel. Like Handel is very conservative. 
ish. Like we've all, yeah, like similar to what Teddy said. Vivaldi mm-hmm. just more wow. Oh, you know, yeah. handles more like Ooh. there. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I feel like Vivaldi. I would describe him as spicier. Ooh. But for Handel, he's more of a sweeter texture, ah, which yeah. is nice in some ways. And I also like his music. For me, a slightly spicier version of Handel, but not as spicy as Vivaldi would be Corelli. Corelli was actually the person who invented the Concerto Grosso, which we will talk about a little bit later on. Mm. Corelli is also the composer of the first piece of Suzuki Book 6. (laughs) I think his works are... They make you feel a certain way, like they make you very happy and you feel lighter. I like Handel's music because it's very simple, but for me, Vivaldi's music is, like what Teddy said, spicier and it has a lot of flair. Mm. One example of Handel's music is his song, Non lo dirò colabro. It's, it's an Italian song and um, when I first sang that, it was, I felt like it was too simple for me. And I think Handel's a really good composer, but I think Vivaldi's music is more like uplifting. My personal favorite composer back, I feel like his music has a special taste. I like his music because of the way he develops his themes. You can always hear a theme in the background going on that is part of the piece. When you are hearing a melody on one part, oftentimes you can look down to the cellos, the valentos, the flutes, recorders, and there's usually something interesting going on there, whether it was the main theme set at the start or a, or the actual solo being played in the section. As to what Teddy said, like you can hear like a certain melody along with like certain in the double block there's a part where it's like boom 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 and then it just it does like the main melody and then he adds like extra notes to like yeah like he just like there's a main melody and then he just adds something to it that's like how i've noticed that's how he writes sometimes that's what i like a lot about Bach's music i know him for like his inventions his symphonias and like in the piano inventions are usually like you play a melody and then the other it will just repeat but then it's like different like it's the right hand will start and then the left hand kind of just plays the same thing but it's different key so that's like i'm like how do you do that (laughs) so like i would see say he was an intellectual i'd also like to say that well most time most of the times writing polyphonic music you write it for piano with multiple hands or orchestras he also wrote three partitas and three sonatas for a single violin but even though it's just for one violin, he still somehow manages to add multiple voicing. So instead of hiring a whole orchestra, you can just order hire one violinist to play the entire thing. <laughs> he also did a similar thing with the six cello suites, which you might know for its prelude. <laughs> Another pillar of Baroque music is Antonio Lucio Vivaldi, also known as the red-haired priest or Il Prete Rosso because of his red hair, which was a family trait. More importantly, Vivaldi was a prolific composer whose output includes more than 500 concertos. Like Bach, he was mainly taught by his father, Giovanni Battista, 
he started studying to become a priest at 15 years old and was ordained as a priest at 25. Vivaldi's music, like we said earlier, was more virtuosic. It was also more innovative at the time, and he brightened the idea and rhythmic structure of a concerto, looking for interesting harmonic contrast and using interesting and innovative melodies. Vivaldi was considered as a violinist with great technical skills, and you can definitely hear it in his music. He was also a music teacher at the Pio Hospital de la Pieta. The Pio Hospitale de la Pieta was an orphanage that provided musical education for its charges. Vivaldi was the main music teacher for the all-female ensemble at this place, for whom he also composed music such as choral works. Here's a fun story about Vivaldi. Every year, the board of directors at the hospital had to vote whether to keep Vivaldi's role as teacher. The vote was usually not unanimous, and in 1709, Vivaldi lost his job on a 6-7 vote. He freelanced for a year and was brought back by a unanimous vote, all in favor of bringing him back in 1711, which just shows how important Vivaldi was to the hospital. He was also promoted to music director five years later, where he was tasked to write two concertos every month, which I guess explains why he has 500 concertos. One of those 500 concertos that Vivaldi wrote was his concerto in G minor for two cellos, which is the only one known to be written for two cellos. Instead of the normal ritornello form for the first movement, you will hear both cellos conversing with each other, as well as with the orchestra with darker but fun rhythmic melodies. Enjoy! Thank you. 
Wow! That was the first movement of Vivaldi's only concerto for two cellos, and it qualifies as a concerto grosso. Grosso means big in Italian, and the concerto grosso was a common style for concertos in the Baroque era, pioneered by Arcangelo Corelli. Concertos are works that are meant to highlight the soloist's interactions with the orchestra. Concerto Grosso develops musical material and motives by passing them between a group of soloists and the orchestra. More examples can be heard in Vivaldi's collection, L'Estro Anomonico. The concertino is composed of four violins. Try to listen for the themes being passed between the orchestra and to each different violinist. Let's listen to Vivaldi's concerto for four violins in B minor, RV580. Performed by four of our ates in the orchestra, the violin quartet Paraluman.
was Vivaldi's Concerto for Four Violins and B Minor, RV580, performed by the Parluman Violin Quartet and the rest of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra under Maestro Henrik Ortiz. I hope you were able to hear the different themes. Vivaldi's most famous work is definitely his Four Seasons, which was a programmatic music featuring four concertos, pitting not two groups of musicians against each other, but a single soloist against the entire orchestra. This kind of single soloist versus an orchestra is the kind of concerto that became more prominent after the Baroque period, and that we will hear more about next week. Thanks for joining us on the first installment of Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special exploring the history and music of the string orchestra here on Manila's Fine Music Station 98.7 DCFE. This program was produced in partnership with the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. This episode's researchers are our fellow PSYO members Gregory Chong, Sofia Bantilan, and Samara Sala. We are Teddy, Kaylee, and Jamie, and tune in again next Sunday as the PSYO brings you music from the classical period. Thank Thank you, you, and we hope you enjoyed. enjoyed!